So back in verse 20 in our text, it says, So when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad. They, they, they literally rejoiced exceedingly when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be to you. He said this the second time. He must have needed to do that because these guys were probably shaking. Every creature's unique in a song that it sings. All exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Our scripture today says, He showed them his hands and his side. Jesus assured them he was actually Jesus of Nazareth and that he was really raised from the dead. Jesus did this for more than the ten disciples who were present. Luke's gospel mentions this gathering as including not only the disciples, but also those who were with them as they gathered together. Jesus invited them all to actually touch his body to see that it was real. Jesus then said again, Peace to you. The repetition of this promise makes this gift of peace much larger and more significant. The resurrected Jesus brings peace. Now let's join Pastor Rob's teaching, already in progress. Disciples came to Jesus privately and says, why can we not cast it out? And Jesus says, because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, and a mustard seed is just a small little thing, small little seed, if you just have the faith of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for, for you. However, this kind does not go out except through fasting and prayer. So evidently, there are different uh, legion or different um, castes, if you will, of demons. And while they were staying in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. Notice, and they will kill him, and the third day he will be raised up. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. Again, he tells them. That's what a good shepherd does. He prepares, doesn't he? And he prepared them, and he was telling them. And then finally, the third time, in Matthew 20, Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples aside on the road, and he said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify, and the third day he will rise again. And so that's the third time that they heard this simple message. Jesus, again, preparing them. And you know what? The thing that encourages me is that here they were in front of the Son of God. These men were with Jesus physically, tangibly. And he was telling them these things, and they didn't quite get it. And I like that. You know why? Because it reminds me of me. It reminds me of my own 
callousness at times. And I can be told something, and I just don't quite get it. And they were no different. And we are in good company, folks. Here's why. What does it tell us in Isaiah? A bruised reed God will not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. He is very gentle. He's not going to take those who are struggling in, in their faith and just break them in half. No, he, he, he is careful. He, he's not going to break that reed when it's, when it's limping over. He's not going to tear it off. He's not going to take that smoking flax and extinguish it. Whatever little bit of faith there is, he's not going to do that. Rather, he's going to fan that flame and encourage it to grow. And see, that's what he wants to do with us. And that's what he was doing with them. And he was so gracious And so patient with them, as he is to us. Can you relate to that? Because I have fought against the Lord many times, and I have resisted him, and yet he has been so gracious with me, and so compassionate with me, and love him for that. Because he's a gracious God. He doesn't want to squash you. Don't get discouraged when your faith is, is hanging on by a thread. And over the last two years, I think many people's faith was hanging on by a thread, and some people just fell. Many who used to go to this fellowship, no longer with us anymore. Many people, as a result of all the things that we're seeing, all the confidence that we're putting in that, they, they, they fell flat on their face when all of this went south. And they've lost their faith. I mean, hopefully they're regaining their faith. And hopefully it's just something that the Lord's going to restore them. And I hope that that's the case because God wants to do that. But we are tested when things like that happen. And we will either get bitter or we will get better. We will either fall flat on our face and then at some point hopefully grow again. Or we will just say, Lord, I don't get it. And that's where I was. Actually, I think I fell. I, honestly, there was a moment where I just lost my head. But I think the Lord restored me. And he's like, Rob, you got your focus on all the wrong things. You're focusing on this. You should be focusing on this. And I'm still struggling with that. And for those of you who know me, you know that to be true. Because I love this country. I love this country. And I know you do too. But God wants to encourage us, and he's not going to break that bruised reed or quench that smoking flax. So let's look at verse 19 now. It says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said, Peace be with you. Yes, peace, because they were scared out of their minds. Never has that occurred where someone has died, and then all of a sudden they show up, in their midst, without knocking on the door, without sending a text message, hey, I'm here. No, there was nothing. He just appeared before them, and they were literally shaking in their sandals. Peace be with you guys. You need it. Because I'm looking at your faces, and you're about ready to fall over. Your heart's about ready to pound out of your chest. Peace be with you. And again, the first day of the week, and Jesus would reveal himself again to his disciples, not only on that day of the resurrection, that evening, which we're looking at right now, but also in verse 26, we're going to see that when finally Thomas is with them, he reveals himself again to them. And Jesus is fulfilling these promises that he had made on the night of 
the, first, the Last Supper, remember what Jesus said to them? He says, let not your heart be troubled. I've told you three times, guys, that I'm going to be crucified, but on the third day I'm going to rise. Don't you worry. Don't you be afraid. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. And then later on, down in the bottom of that chapter, in verse 18 of John 14, he says, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. I will come to you. And what a comforting thing for men who are scared out of their mind because now that they've killed their Savior, their their leader in a sense, they are hunted men as well. Hey, if whatever they did to Jesus, they're going to do to you too. If they didn't receive him, they're not going to receive you. But if they receive his words, they're going to receive your words as well. Don't be surprised when the world hates you. But he would, he would not leave them orphans, but would come to them. So in addition to visiting them on the evening of the resurrection, like I said, he would also visit them eight days later. He would also uh, see them on the shore of Galilee, and we'll see that next week, or actually the week following, because next week is Resurrection Sunday. When we get into John chapter 21, we'll see him revealing himself to his disciples on the shore of the Galilee. And certainly after Pentecost or after those 40 days that Jesus was seen by thousands and hundreds, he would ascend up into heaven and then 10 days later what would happen? Pentecost where the Spirit of God would be poured out. And so he visited them in a sense by his Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And what's coming yet for us today where he's going to meet with us fulfilling that promise ultimately at the rapture of the church. He's going to come for us, and we're going to see him physically. We're going to be caught up together, and we're going to meet him in the air. Aren't you looking forward to that? Yes. I can't wait to to see. You know, and I'm not even upset that the dead in Christ are going to rise first, because it's going to happen so quick. I'm going to be like... Do it. I'll even help you if I ha- if I can. I'll, I'll get you know. I'll do whatever I got to do because after you go, I'm going to be changed in the twinkling of an eye. I'm going to be snatched up off this filthy, rotten planet, and I'm going to be with Christ Amen. for a season, and then we come back with him to the filthy, rotten planet. But he's going to restore many things. It gets much better, folks. It gets much, much better. But anyway, so getting back. So when the doors were shut, the disciples were assembled. And as we, and, and he stood in the midst of them. And as we look at this verse, it becomes apparent that there's something really different about Jesus' resurrection body. And I just want to go over this quickly for time's sake. But you remember when we were in 1 Corinthians 15, we spent a lot of time in this chapter. And I pray that the, the frequency of it will just ingrain it into your heart because this is such a significant chapter because Paul tells us this kind of resurrection body that the dead in Christ will receive and you and I will receive. And it's the same body, we believe, that Jesus resurrected in. It says, all flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh and another of animals another of fish, another of birds. There are also celestial bodies, he tells us, and terrestrial bodies. Terrestrial bodies are the ones that we have. But Jesus received his celestial body, his resurrection body, very different from the body that you and I have. And Paul goes on and says that. He says, so also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. And I can relate to that. It is sown in weakness. 
But it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, but it will be raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body, and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man became a living being, and the last Adam, speaking of Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. That's why he said flesh and bone. He didn't say flesh and blood. Because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. But flesh and bone, this new resurrection body, had some qualities about it that are very unearthly, very supernatural. And one of the things he could do is he could pass through physical structures. Jesus passed through that tomb. As he laid in the tomb, the stone was rolled away. Again, remember, not so that Jesus could get out, but so that people could see what had already happened. And as they went inside that tomb, they saw the wraps that they had wrapped him with basically collapsed in on themselves because he passed right through it. And then the napkin that was around his head was folded in a different place. There's so much about just that alone that gives the, um, the proof of the resurrection. And so we see Jesus, something about his body was very different. And he could also appear in a different form. In Mark chapter 16, verse 9, it says that, um, uh, that when he arose on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, and she went and told those things uh, to the disciples. And when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. Notice, they did not believe. After all that he had done, and, and again, I feel comforted in this because these were the apostles of Christ, and yet they struggled. And here we are today, and perhaps some of you are struggling. Don't be discouraged. The Lord loves you, and he wants to, he wants to heal you. He wants to build up that faith that you have, that mustard seed of faith, even if that's all you have. And I tell you what, I hope I have at least a mustard seed. Because that's all I need. But Lord, you do it with, with it, whatever you want. I want to have a tree of mustard seeds. But notice, after that, he appeared in another form. This resurrection body could pass through physical structures. It could um, appear in a different form. He appeared in a different form. The, the Greek is heteros morphe. He metamorphosized into something different, they, in a different form, to two of them as they walked along the country, speaking of the two men on the, on the road to Emmaus. But why would he appear in another form? As he walked with them, as we looked at that already, why would he do that? I believe he did that to draw them out, to really find out really what they were thinking, what, they are, what their faith. He gave them an opportunity for their faith to be on display. And Jesus did that to those men. And they initially failed the test. And then we also know that he showed himself in John 21 to his disciples. He showed himself. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. And we'll see that in two weeks from now when we get into chapter 21. As he met them on the Galilee, on the shores with the fish, Jesus says, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of those disciples dared ask him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. There was something about him. They didn't quite get it. They didn't quite understand. They knew it was him, but there was... Is that really him? His resurrection body was slightly different. He could eat normal food. And he could also ascend into heaven. In 1 Corinthians, uh, it says that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. 
And Jesus said to the disciples that first Sunday evening after the resurrection, he says, Behold my hands and my feet. Handle me. A spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. So back in verse 20 in our text, it says, So when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad. They, they, they literally rejoiced exceedingly when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace be to you. He said this the second time. He must have needed to do that because these guys were probably shaking. I don't know about you, but I, I, can you imagine being in that situation? As the Father has sent me, he said, I also send you. And when he had said this, notice, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. This is the moment we believe that the disciples were actually born again of the Spirit. Were they going to go to heaven before this? Yes, because they're saved by grace through faith, just like the Old Testament saints were. But now, Jesus would give the Holy Spirit. He, he, he breathed upon them, and we believe that that is when they literally became born again, the Spirit of God indwelling them, and ultimately the Spirit of God would come upon them on the day of Pentecost, on the day of Pentecost. Remember, Jesus told them that night in the upper room before he was arrested, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. This is when it happened. That night of the resurrection, he will be in you. And it ought to remind, see, these guys needed this breath. They needed the Spirit of God in them to empower them, to give them this internal witness because Jesus would be rising and ascending soon. And they needed that strength. They needed that wisdom. They needed the Spirit of God in them. And then he promised to come upon them. He told them to wait for the promise of the Father. And what was the promise? That the Spirit of God would be poured out. And did he do that, as Joel had said, hundreds of years prior? Yes, he did, on the day of Pentecost. The room, they saw, there was a sound of a rushing. The sound of a rushing mighty wind came, and cloven tongues of fire stood over each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And what did they do? They spoke the wonderful works of God. They spoke the wonderful works of God. And this breath that was breathed into him ought to remind us of Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, when God formed Adam out of the clay of the ground. And then the Bible says that he breathed, he literally resuscitated his breath. He breathed into Adam and he became a living soul or a living being. And so that same breath that brought life to Adam is the same breath that Jesus breathed on his disciples and gave them new life spiritually. And see, unless you are born again of the Spirit, you are none of God's. You are none of His. Peter tells us that. Unless the Spirit of God indwells you, you are not a Christian. You can't pay your way into Christ you can't pay your way into heaven. You can't do good works and get into heaven. No, the Spirit of God either He is in you or He is not. And that's why it's so important to be born again. Ask God. He's not going to refuse you. Confess your sin. Confess your sins and come to him and say, Lord, forgive me. I am a sinner. I have sinned. And Lord, there are many sins on my account. Would you please wash them by the blood of Christ? Wash them away. 
And what does the Bible say? If we confess, he is faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What better deal can you get than that, folks? There is no greater deal in the universe than that deal right there. If we confess, he will be faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. Love that. Let me get Baptist here. Can I get a hallelujah? Yes. Let's all stand up in our robes and get on the platform and wave our hands. You know, I mean, it's, it's, a good, it's good news. It's good. It's good. So notice in verse 23, he says, If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. This sounds like a really diff- a difficult saying. And it does sound a little perplexing. But the bottom line is, the disciples, and by extension, even us, we have the authority to affirm that if somebody believes in Christ, they are forgiven. But we also have the ability to not confirm if somebody does not believe in Christ, then they are not forgiven. It's really that simple. But every person has to come to faith on their own. You can't get on the, on the coattails of your parents. Young people, you can't get on, uh, to heaven on the coattails of your parents. You can't ride on the coattails of anyone. It's got to be you and God. You've got to stand naked before him with all of everything that you've ever done, and you have to confess that, and he will not turn you away. He will love on you and encourage you. That's good news, isn't it? I love it. Notice, verse 24. So now Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see... Notice the, the, what Thomas says. Unless I see the prints of the nails in his, in his hands and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Notice the condition that Thomas placed on his faith. His faith was conditional. It's not that he couldn't believe, but that he would not, again, an act of the will. Now, is Thomas in heaven? I believe he is, because we see what happens after this. But let's all grow in our faith and place no conditions on Jesus for it, for that faith in Christ. Let's believe him for who he says he is and learn to trust in him. The Bible even tells us in Hebrews, without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And unbelief is not something that's New only to the New Testament, it was in the Old Testament as well. We see that in uh, the book of uh, Deuteronomy and Numbers. When the children of Israel, remember Moses sent the 12 spies into the promised land, and only two of them came back with a positive report, Caleb and Joshua. All the other 10 of them were saying, oh, there's giants in the land, and the, you know, there's big people, and it's horrible. And, and, and everybody followed the 10, except the two, Joshua and Caleb. They were the only ones who returned a positive, faithful, and uh, a view of what God was going to do. They're like, let's go up at once and take it, for God is going to give it to us. And yet the ten dissuaded the people, and everybody was all upset. We can't do it. There's giants. The Anakim are in the land. The Nephilim are there. We can't go. I'm not going. I'm not going. And so finally Moses upbraids them for their lack of faith, for their unbelief. And then they get wounded, and then they say, okay, we're going to go up now. And God says, no, don't. Don't go up now. I was with you before, but now? Because of your unbelief, I'm not going with you. And they said, well, we're going to go anyway. That just sounds like what a man would do, right? 
you get caught, you get wounded, and you're like, oh, I'm just going to push through anyway, and they get into a lot of trouble. The Amorites chase them out, and then they finally come to their senses. That's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as our location, service times, information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, and information regarding Bread of Life Academy, our new school opening in the fall of 2023. Just click the school link at the top of the page for more information. Additionally, you may also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play Podcast or Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.